Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Bhagavatam Canto 1, Chapter 2, Text 10. Translation and commentary by the Divine Grace AC of Devedanta Swami Prabhupada. Kamasya Nendriya Pritir Labho Jiveta Yavata Jivasya Tattva Jignyasa Nalko Yascheha Karma Vihi. Translation again. This is what devotees call one of those heavy verses. Heavy means gives a, not not necessarily commentary, the verse. Uh, it appears to be very heavy to us because it, it clearly points out what are the defects of conditioned mind. It's only heavy if we are attached to that which we should not be attached to. For instance, if we say that stool stinks, we don't think that's a very outrageous statement. Or if we say that the sun is shining very brightly, we don't think, oh, that's really heavy. It's simply a statement of fact, that's all. But when the fact impinges upon our desires for sense gratification, then we consider it very heavy. Mm. We only perceive it as heavy due to the mm. false ego. Due to false ego, we always like to think we are right. We'll find even a mass murderer in the court He'll defend his position. He'll think, I'm right. There's this uh, ex-president of Serbia who's now been tried for the last many months in Den Haag for crimes against humanity. What is his name? Milosevic, Slobodan, something like that. I was just Is it? Okay. And he's... Uh, it's quite clear that he was... Uh, behind the uh, slaughter of thousands of people. But he's arguing his position and he's convinced. So, Bhagavatam is a clear delineation of reality. Vedyam Vastavam Atravastu. This is the actual real, this is the actual reality as described in Vedas. And dharma projita, dharma projita kaitava atra. Cheating religion is completely rejected here. So we would think that's good, isn't it? To find out what is reality, free from all cheating. But because of the conditioned propensity to cheat, we think this is too heavy. Bhagavatam, or the actual truth, can be appreciated by those who are uh, 
Paramo Satam, those who are on the topmost platform of spiritual life, who are free from envy. <coughs> envy begins with envy of Krishna, expands to envy of all living beings, and even envy of one's own self, by which the conditioned soul perpetually acts and thinks in a manner that is detrimental to his actual welfare. <coughs> he is opaswartha parayana. He is attached to that which is contradictory to his own benefit. Mm-hmm. Yes, the word is there, artha, or that which is required or desirable. Sometimes that is called swartha, or more specifically, one's own one's own personal interest. What is for one's own personal interest? Mm-hmm. Um, this this is often used in for selfish personal interest. If someone is very selfish and money grabbing, always trying to exploit others, then we call we say this person is a swarati mm-hmm. in modern Hindi or but real swart or self-interest means to understand our vision. Mm-hmm. But they do not know that the real goal of one's own self-interest is vision. So if we don't know what actual artha is, then we must remain on the platform of anartha. Anartha means that which is not in our own real interest. If we do not understand who we are, then we cannot understand what is our arita, or our real self-interest. Therefore, spiritual life, or the platform of reality, begins with understanding that we are not the body, but that we are eternal spirit soul. We are eternal part and parcel of Krishna, and we are meant to serve Him. This is our actual self-interest. This is our natural or constitutional position. Not to understand this is anartha. We've many times heard this term, anartha. Anartha is that which hampers our spiritual advancement. So, uh, in progressive, on the progressive path from shraddha, initial faith, to praying, love of Krishna, one has to cross over Anartha, one has to come to the platform of Anartha Nivriti. Mm. The nature of the living being is to be attached. So if we're not attached to that, if we don't know who we are and we're not attached to serving Krishna, then we become attached to activities which are not for our benefit at all. Sometimes the term Anartha to give it more emphasis is termed as apaswartha, or that which is opposite to our real self-interest. Mm-hmm. Opposite or, or a, mis, a, a misconception of what is our real self-interest. So we find that uh, people without knowledge of Krishna consciousness are engaged in what we consider to be anartha. Just like we may find if a young man or woman takes to Krishna consciousness, then they will not want to go to the movies, for instance. Is yeah. that a big cult, culture, part of the culture here? People go to movies? Oh, I, I don't see so much. But 
Uh-huh. Is it? Yeah. It is. Uh, I don't see. Home video. All right, home video. Not not movies so much. People don't go to the movies. At least you don't see advertisements for cinema. Mm-hmm. All right, home movies. So watch movie. a young person doesn't want to watch home movies all of a sudden because they want to be devoted. Mm-hmm. Their parents may become concerned. What happened? And they'll try to pressurize them. Why don't you watch some movie? Isn't it? Is this a common scenario? Not sure. <laughs> yes, no? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Because the young person is thinking, this is anartha. In Nectar of Devotion, Prabhupada writes how people who take to Krishna consciousness, they're not interested in, he gives a whole list, one of them is going to cinemas. Mm-hmm. But the parents are thinking, this is artha, and not to watch it is an anartha. So they are what is called apaswarta parayana. They are attached to that which is uh, not, which, which may appear to be in their self-interest, but which isn't. The whole modern society can be described in this term, apaswarta parayana. But here, a completely different outlook is given. And it seems very heavy to us. Because if we accept it, we have to accept that everything that up to now we consider of value is not at all. It's just opposite. We have to admit that everything we considered right is wrong. All the persons we looked up to and idolized, they were wrong. And the bigger uh, a role model they are, the bigger fool they are. I don't know what it is in Russia. So it requires great humility to accept us. Therefore we think very heavy. But from the platform of reality, it's just a statement of fact, that's all. The sun is shining. Oh, it's really heavy. No, it's just a fact, that's all. So, people who are attached to sense gratification are fools. It's just a fact. So, how much are we attached to sense gratification? How much are we attached to sense gratification? That is the test. That is the the nonsense-ometer. How much are we a fool? The, the average person's nonsensometer is up to 100 degrees. Oh, 100%. And rascal. Because they don't know this simple fact that karmasya nindriya pritihi, the senses, or attachment to sense enjoyment, that is not the proper use of the uh, application of desires. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense to anyone who has no sense. You think, I have my tongue, I have to put something on it, quick, all the time, I have to be drinking tea, coffee, 
chewing some biscuits, taking some chocolates, smoking some cigarette. In India, they have pan also. Chewing gum. You are just not very advanced, that's all. You didn't get chewing gum here yet? I mean, in Navarajni Chali, the people don't chew gum? Uh, no. 50% of your life is wasted. <laughs> Quick, phone up Uncle Sam. Tell him, tell him to send in one sh relief, emergency supply. Send one shitload of chewing gum. They don't even know what chewing gum is. They don't know. 75% of your life is wasted. Chewing gum is a kind of substance invented by probably someone in America, which uh, get some flavor out of it, because the tongue should have constant titillation. So, uh, tongue, belly, genitals, all the senses, they, they, they demand constant gratification. And we think, I want to, I just want to enjoy the senses. You must have seen the dog when there's a bitch in heat. Bitch means female dog. Mm -hmm. And in heat means in the season for mating. So if there's the bitch or the female dog and the male dog and he's tied up and he's going crazy. All the animals, when one devotee was telling me that they had a cow and she was in season, normally very gentle cow, but uh, they didn't want her to mate with just any bull, so they put her in a compound with a very high wall. And the wall was twice as high as the cow. She jumped over. <laughs> Out of desperation, I have to, I have to indulge my senses. So for a human being who has no idea of the actual goal of life, he thinks, I have to indulge my senses. But he doesn't know that human life is meant for controlling those desires. If we don't control those desires, then we have to become a cow or a dog or, and go on being whipped by these desires, life after life. Mm -hmm. But if we can control those desires, then we can start to come to the human platform, which begins atato brahma jignasa. Now we should inquire into the absolute truth. Generally, Prabhupada he translated this. Now we have attained the human form of life. We should inquire into the absolute truth. But Shripad uh, Madhvacharya, he because this is. Vedanta. So Vedanta begins after the Karmakanda section of the Vedas. So he states that this now, this means now we are fed up with the Karmakanda section of the Vedas. Now we are finished with the Purvivamsa, which is concerned with sense gratification. Now we will come to Uttarvimamsa, which is deliberation on the uh, absolute truth, the platform, on the platform of knowledge. Because unless the fever of desire for sense gratification goes down, 
the inquiry to the absolute truth cannot go up. We can practically see in our own lives and in the lives of others who take to Krishna consciousness that when we become, when we or others become inclined to sense gratification, then immediately our commitment to Krishna consciousness goes down. Even with, with, we've read so many books, but it becomes covered, the knowledge that we have acquired becomes covered by the desire for sense gratification. Jnana vritya dehinam, that is stated, that this, this karma, material desires, it covers the knowledge of the conditioned soul. So in Krishna consciousness, we have to develop attachment for Krishna, and become detached from Krishnata, everything which is conceived of outside of our relationship with Krishna. In other words, become detached from material desires. Two things cannot sit in one place, material desires and spiritual desires. Without proper knowledge of who Krishna is, then in the factories of our minds, we convert Krishna into a product for our sense gratification. We cannot have Krishna on our term. <laughs> Surrender means we submit ourselves to Krishna like a sold-out animal. A purchased animal is at the mercy of the Master. We cannot give terms and conditions. And we have to understand who Krishna is, as he is, on his own terms, as he describes in Bhagavad Gita. Otherwise we can modify Krishna. <laughs> and reshape him according to our sense gratification desires. But that is not Krishna. You see, I, I think many of these uh, Indian movies of Krishna, they've probably been dubbed into uh, with Russian subtitles. Is it? You've seen any of those movies, you cannot find Krishna from such pious sense gratificatory movies. Or you may like to read different books telling stories of Krishna. But Krishna can be found through the process of devotional service, received through the Annaivani. Annai means the parampara of Acharyas, the instructions of the Acharyas received in Parampara. But because we have the, this strong desire for sense gratification, that even when we are faced with the absolute truth, we try to convert him into some relative truth that we can digest for, for our sense gratification. Mm -hmm. yeah. This is the fate of all world religions. That great Religious teachers, they come to teach people what is their actual necessity, what is their artha, their prayojan. But then other people come along, they take the teachings, and they just adjust it a little bit. Just like uh, original Christianity was a vegetarian sect. But a few hundred years into the development of Christianity, that changed. And they thought, well, let's make it more available to everyone. There's not much difference. We believe in Jesus. We go to church. 
We recite the Bible. We make the sign of the cross. Do you do that? You do that in Russia? Yeah. Orthodox churches. We're very good Christians. All respects. Just, well, we need And anyway, in the Bible, you see, you can interpret it this way. And you just change the Bible a little bit. Not much. And you see, now thousands of people can take to it. Millions. The only problem is that it's no longer what Jesus taught. But, so it might appear very good. So many people are coming. That proves it's a success. Is it? Well, so many people come for football games also, isn't it? And that's got nothing to do with the absolute truth. So, we say, well, uh, this is religion. How can you compare it to a football team? What is the similarity? Who can say? Between compromised religion and the football game. What's the similarity? Yeah, we got the answer. Sense gratification. And even in religion, they're promising, you will go to heaven, you will enjoy in future. But real religion means to teach how we are the servant. If one becomes servant of Krishna, one will naturally become very happy, because that is the natural constitutional position of the jiva. But if we put our own happiness first, then the happiness of Krishna consciousness will never arise. Bhukti, mukti, spriha, yavat, pishachi hridi vartate, tavat, bhakti, sukhasya, as long as the witch-like desires for sense gratification and liberation remain within the heart, then that long there is no question of the actual happiness of bhakti arising. So we have to be very careful about even in preaching Krishna consciousness, <coughs> in almost all cases, we begin our preaching with offering something to the person which we think will appeal to their sense gratification. Take this book, you will be happy. You can get free from suffering. Sure, you can get free from suffering by reading these books. But people desire free from suffering so that they can nicely go on enjoying sense gratification. Srila Bhaktisthana Sarasar Thakur used to say that better than being healthy and not Krishna conscious is to be sick and Krishna conscious. Are you all ready for that? Yeah, okay. All right, well. Hand out the virus pills. We can, we can inject everyone with a virus so you can all get influenza. Easy to say. Easy to say. We actually, we actually feel like that. We have to see our own hearts. But at least this principle we should understand. We are not the enjoyer. We're not the enjoyer in the material world. Even in the spiritual world, we're not the enjoyer. Sometimes we find some religious persons performing great austerities. 
because they think in the next world I will enjoy more by doing so. So the withdrawal from sense gratification and acceptance of suffering is simply based on the desire for sense gratification. So as Prabhupada comments in the purport here, the whole misdirected modern civilization is based on the principle of let me enjoy my own senses. So just a little adjustment is required. The senses are not meant for my enjoyment, they're meant for Krishna's enjoyment. But it's such a revolutionary change that to think, oh, it's too much. Let me enjoy somewhat. Not knowing that this uh, sense gratification is like poison that destroys Krishna consciousness. So we should always think how to satisfy Krishna's <coughs> senses. Just these verses are very valuable to learn. They're the guiding principles of our lives. Without these guiding principles, we are sure to be lost in the world of sense gratification of Maya. So this uh, change of heart can come about by regularly hearing the Srimad Bhagavatam and applying those directions in our lives. Yehi sansparsha bhoga duha yonyatirate adyandavanta kontayatna teshu ramate bhuta So let us all uh, internalize all these instructions. Uh, ourselves become attached only to Krishna and attached, uh, ourselves we should be attached to Krishna and detached from that which is against our real self-interest. And also for the benefit of human society which is totally misdirected. We have to give this knowledge by which our uh, suffering fellow jivas can be delivered. So, we have the books. We have two hands, two legs, one arm, and a trunk to hold it all together. So, door to door distributing books, giving people this knowledge. It's uh, one devotee here today, Chaitanya Singh. It's from uh, Vladimir. He's every month distributing 300 and something books. Very steady. Really? Door to door. He knocked on every door in the town twice now. And Vladimir has distributed 7,000 books. Very much? You lost, lost the sound when it was said. Yeah. Can you say it again? Uh -huh. uh, no, overall, at 300 and something per month, every month, very oh. steady. And total, after several years, is 7,000. Uh -huh. yeah. So, how many books have been distributed in Aboriginal Chalmers? 
going to it. Have all the doors been knocked on even once? Chibok Sara. Oh, he's going to go down with him now. His head is popping up. See what you can do to help your fellow citizens. Devotees here from many places. Tambo, Morshansk, Moradov, Kazan, Smolensk, Kirov, Moscow. You have to go to every door in Moscow. <laughs> Wish you a long life. Because <laughs> <laughs> even if you knock on all the doors, by the time you finish, they'll already build one million more homes. <laughs> We need a whole army for Moscow. Instead of the Red Army, we can have the Saffron Army. <laughs> but no, not, actually, if we only rely on the Brahmacharis, then there's no hope, because Brahmacharis, they, they're always going from the Saffron Army to the White Army. So we have to send out the White Army and the multicolored Army, the, the ladies in saris. Take these books. Where's the Russian version? As soon as people see a book like this, they understand. This is different to any other book that they ever saw in their life. Isn't it? It's, it's completely different to Tolstoy or Dostoevsky or, or whatever. Who is that person standing there? And there's some girl with a long dress. I never saw any dress like that before. He opened up the book and it's got all these funny squiggles. You start to read it and it has words like uh, what, what is this? I can't read it. It's Sri Balaram. No? Sri Hayagriva. Then Hari. Hamsa. And what's this one? Prishniga. Krishnigarbha, then Vishnu. I can't work it out. It's written in Cyrillic script, but it doesn't doesn't seem to be Russian. I can immediately understand this is something completely different. If you go door to door selling something for sense gratification, should be some good chance that you can make some sales. Just like many of our devotees, they sell paintings or prasadam. People like to buy because it's, it tastes nice. And they open up this strange book and it says uh, to give up sense gratification. How are you going to sell such books? You can only do so by the spiritual energy which is coming from Krishna through Parampara. If one has the very strong desire to do so, considering that people need these books, then you will be empowered by Krishna to do so. It's practically impossible to sell these books. It's not possible by any material means. Prabhupada, the first books he had printed in uh, for distribution in America were Krishna books, big books, very beautiful, very first-class production, printed in Japan, 10,000 copies. In that time, devotees they used to distribute this back to Godhead magazine. They were doing Harinam in the streets, and they People would give some donation, they'd give them back to God. So 10,000 books came, and in each temple, a few de each devotee took one, and in this way, about 
you know, a few hundred books got distributed to the devotees only, and that was it finished. And there was no more distribution after that. And they had, devotees had no idea, what are we, you know, what are we supposed to do with these books? We just leave them in the, leave them in the basement, that's all. <laughs> Prabhupada said, you have to distribute these books. And the devotees said, what's he talking about? Having, having distributed these books, people are not interested. Prabhupada became more and more insistent, you have to distribute these books. Eventually he said, if you don't distribute these books, I'm going back to India. Yeah. And the devotees understood that we have to distribute these books. He still had no idea how we're going to distribute these books. So eventually one devotee, Buddhi Mantra, he, he went out with some books and went door to door. And when people would open the door, he would fall down on the ground and <laughs> hold onto their feet and beg them to buy the book. <laughs> It was unusual, but it worked. <laughs> there's, there's so many wonderful stories of Buddhi Manta Prabhu. In those days, no one hardly knew about devotees. And so and people would open the door, and all of a sudden there's this Buddhi Manta, he's a huge guy, like more than two meters tall, big strong guy, with a shaved head and this on his nose, dressed in orange. And they never imagined such a thing. So there's stories that he locked up one door, and a woman opened it and screamed and called for her husband. Quick, bring the gun! <laughs> said, no, no, I just want to give you this book, that's all. Why, what for? He said, well, I'm a monk and this is about Krishna, the Supreme Personality. He said, oh, it's okay, no problem. How much? Ten dollars? Okay. <laughs> so many wonderful stories. Who is that telling me? Actually, you, you can tell. You, you tell. You, Devotees, you are distributing books. Come on, tell us. Tell us some of your experiences. So many wonderful things that happen. Then you have to translate for me only. No, 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 Why? Because there was so much crush from the people? Or? I distributed and finally one person. I, if you remember, uh, the basic of Robot And finally one person who was Please, he should chewing this. This Kavacha is chewing it? Finally, the person he took one book and the result, she looks like she was looking like an intelligent person. First word I said, this is about Krishna. That's all what I. That's all he said. Yeah. And I, be, I began to explain who, who that person was. And I told him that this is a founding of Harigas Mamma and Kachibutta. And just, just after that, uh, he, he gave me some donations uh, and then. Uh, didn't say Jai. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
there's so many stories. I, I remember reading one one uh, one devotee she was distributing in a parking lot in America, <coughs> a place where people park their cars. So one man who took a book gave a donation. He walked another ten meters to his car and fell down dead with a heart attack. So that's good. The last thing he did in his life was buy one of Prabhupada's book. What's this question? Guru Maharaja. <laughs> That I can read. <laughs> uh, Dev also distributing books on Shiro Prabhupada. Uh, please, uh, can, you tell, can you tell about this? Can you tell us about something about this? My distribution? Uh, maybe. maybe. Well, nowadays I mostly do it by announcement. Oh, yeah, read, read the question. Uh, <coughs> nowadays I mostly do it by announcement that. We have a program, give a lecture, and then people buy books. Recently, at the last day of our festival in Croatia, they brought so many of Prabhupada's books, and they were still not sold. <coughs> so I told that none of you are allowed to leave here without taking a big stack of Prabhupada's books. Yeah, all the devotees there. And even, even if you have them, take some more. So this way I saw 200 Srimad Bhagavatams in 15 minutes. And Manidhar Prabhu, who has distributed hundreds and thousands of books, he was sitting next to me. He was sitting next to me. And he said, he said, only a sannyasi can do that. So that you... Eighth canto came out. You should get some more from Moscow. Then you could, wherever you go, you can distribute. Okay. How many of you have a full set of Bhagavatam in your home, at least as far as it's printed? They didn't receive the latest volumes. Okay. Fill your home up with books. If you like, you can, if people invite you into their home, you can, you can tell them we'll swap with you. You give us all your books, empty your bookshelf, and we'll fill it up with Prabhupada's books. You also have to give us some money for the books. Several times I went in people's homes in India and confiscated all their bogus books. What are you going to do with it? You know, like giving them the books. And this thing. What are you, you, you going to do with it? You say, don't worry, I'll look after it. <laughs> <laughs> What's another question? Oh, two questions. Uh, what's the cause of sexual desire, uh, proper behavior, uh, and if it is so, uh, what kind of, a pro of a proper behavior is the source of sexual desire? The root desire is lack of desire to serve Krishna. The root desire is lack of desire to serve Krishna. To understand this subject in detail, we should study Bhagavad Gita. Especially at the end of the third chapter, this is discussed in some detail. That book, Brahmacharya and Krishna Conscious, also has many relevant quotes about proper behavior. Mm -hmm. In uh, not acting appropriately, it doesn't cause sex desire, but it exacerbates it, <coughs> increases. Hmm. Another question. Thank you.
down this room. Be with your right hand. Right hand, right hand. You never heard this before? It's in the place. Yeah, what does he say? Would you please explain how we can combine duty and relationship? Duty and the relationship of love in the family, how we can balance this uh, in Shastra it is prescribed that uh, we should not be attached to each other but uh, then will be will not our relationship become formal without any mm. affection okay second question husband and wife in Krishna consciousness unite to serve Krishna and so the affection they have for each other is much more real and more deep than that of non-devotee households. I suggest to ask this question they can approach some more senior Krihasta devotees. Especially, uh, usually every year Gauri here gives some seminar on this subject. I don't know if there's any time for seminar now, but can approach her individually. Uh, you mentioned in your lecture that our original envious towards Krishna finally comes to the envious, finally converts to the envious to, towards ourselves. And uh, what is the, uh, how to, how it is can, can you describe How it is possible? doesn't seem like it would be possible, would it? We would be envious of ourselves. But actually it should be more surprising that we are envious of Krishna, because Krishna should be more dear to us than our very selves. It is inconceivably foolish misuse of independence. But that people are envious of themselves is apparent in their activities. Hare Krishna. All glory 